welcome to Mindfulness for Mamas. We have a small group today. Um, just want to remind you, Mindfulness for Mamas is a community of support for new mothers, experienced mothers, mothers of all ages and stages. And we've come together over the years to talk about issues from, you know, postpartum um, struggles to how to handle internet issues with kids. You know, just a variety of mom parenting issues. Today we have Elizabeth Trudis with us, who is a therapist who specializes in postpartum um, depression and anxiety, all sorts of postpartum issues, as well as other mothering and general mental health um, topics. So we wanna remind everyone who is here that we want to keep this space safe for everyone who's here. So we don't judge what anyone says um, and we wanna welcome everyone with open arms and open minds, open hearts. Um, we are recording this Zoom and it will be part of, um, it will be blasted out to our email blast, our e-blast. So, <laughs> We don't want that to stifle anyone's conversation. If you do have um, sensitive thoughts or comments that you wanna share, please do. And you can always follow up with us and ask us to edit out your comments or your face or anything to make you anonymous. Um, what else am I missing? Is that about it? Okay, today we're really gonna, we're gonna talk about the postpartum experience, but we're specifically gonna talk about the postpartum experience during the pandemic and which of course will address the broader issue of postpartum experience as well. But before we get started, Liz Collins is going to start us in a brief meditation. Just for now, and let yourself sink into stillness. Just for now, lay down the weight you so patiently bear upon your shoulders. Feel the earth receive you and the infinite expanse of sky grow even wider as your awareness reaches up to meet it. Just for now, allow a wave of breath to enliven your experience. Breathe out whatever blocks you from the truth. Just for now, be boundless free, awakened energy tingling in your hands and feet. Drink in the possibility of being who and what you really are. So fully alive that when you open your eyes, the world looks a little different. Newly born and vibrant just for now. You may now open your eyes. Thanks, Liz. Thanks. So I'm going to start off by asking Elizabeth some questions and we'll have dialogue back and forth, but we encourage you to participate as well. If you have a question that seems relevant to what we're talking about, just go ahead and throw your hand up in the air. We'll also break for Q&A at the end of our question period. And in addition to that, um, <laughs> Alyssa, I don't know if you can hear me now based on message on your screen, but you're welcome to any questions that you have or chat any questions to a person that you have. We want this to be pretty casual and um, very much like a conversation. So, and Elizabeth's been here. This is Elizabeth's third time. So we welcome you again. Thank you for being here. 
And when we last spoke, you had mentioned that um, you had a large cohort of clients who had had babies during the pandemic who were struggling. And, you know, I can only imagine what that's like. The first thought that comes to mind is isolation. But can you talk a little bit more about what their specific struggles were and what how they may have been different from a typical postpartum experience? Yeah, I mean, starting with um, people who may have been pregnant during the pandemic and about to deliver a baby, um, the inability just to go to the birthing class um, was a real frustration for folks because that's a way to connect, it's a way to alleviate some anxiety around the childbirth process. So that's one group of people that was really, um, that was a very specific issue that, that these women were, were encountering. You know, isolation is the number one. It's, it, it, the pandemic affected us all, but I think um, not having the outlet of being able to go to the rec center and swim with your kids or take them to the children's museum and give them some play time and not have to be all on mom, I think um, that's also been a real challenge. Yeah, I, I was reading an article recently in The Atlantic written about by a woman named Sarah, Sophie Gilbert, who was talking about her experience in New York. Delivered, she delivered twins during the pandemic. And one of the things she said was, one of the horrific aspects of viruses is that they punish intimacy. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like, you know, you need those intimate connections so badly when you're in that postpartum period with your family and your loved ones. Did you have, um, clients who couldn't, whose parents couldn't come out and see the babies? Everyone, I, you know, it was- yeah. I mean, there's was, some people who delivered here. I'm thinking of one friend in particular and her parents live here. So right. that seemed yeah. great, but- I would say um, that was a barrier, you know, that that the, the connection to have someone come in and help, help you if that's possible. And all of us, most of us were not born and raised here. So our families of origin are somewhere else. and. In non-pandemic times, that's also an issue, but there's the ability to create your own family mm-hmm. and have your friends come over and help out. And with the pandemic, that just wasn't a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. How did, um, or what were some coping mechanisms that you recommended for the group? I mean, because my initial coping mechanism that I would recommend to someone is reach out and make new connections. And it's uh-huh. so hard during the pandemic because you can't do that. Well, one of the interesting things that I think the pandemic um, forced us to do is to be online. And so the resources that are out there, I think people searched beyond the community. And that was, I think for some, really helpful. Uh, other other things I really encourage is call, call at least a friend a day. You know, mm-hmm. get, get that connection going. Please, you know, being isolated does not mean you're alone and that there are lots and lots of people who really like to have a call from someone that says hey I'm not doing great like can you can I just vent at you for a little bit um I did I've done a lot of practicing with new moms of, of mindfulness but moment mindfulness 
not the ability to like go out and get a massage or go to a yoga mm -hmm. class because that wasn't possible. So really more like grounding, refocusing, trying to engage your senses, as many senses as you can in just about everything you do throughout the day as little ways to unwind. And when you were talking about the resources that they were reaching out to with outside of our community, what were some of those resources? Well, I think postpartum support international, it was probably the main one where I was mm -hmm. sending people and um, I know this is a good segue. Yeah, I think it is Charlotte. Um, but it's, it, that's, that's a resource that is, um, that really is, I think, the primary resource for any perinatal mental health issue, including with dads. And I don't know, Charlotte, you can. Yeah, um, <laughs> within the last year, Postpartum Support International has created a bunch of online support groups. And it's like this huge variety, you know, every day of the week for dads, for, um, you know, not only perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, but also like, you know, loss and grief and, um, you know, um, different communities are represented in the different um, groups. So, and is it like a Zoom call where you all get on and talk and meet, and then mm -hmm. and then it's the same group each week, so you get to know people, or is it kind of just a different? Uh, I think I think it's anybody who signs up for the groups. Got it. Okay. Can participate in them. Yeah. And that's a free resource. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we will you tell them about our local chapter? Sure, yeah. Can I, do, you, do you mind if I do my spiel? Okay. <laughs> sure, because I, I do actually have a little early. Yeah. So. Um, Where do I I'm going to move this chair. <laughs> this bike. Sure. Okay. Cool. I don't know. Can you see? Is this okay? Or let me just sit. But. <clears throat> yeah, that works. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm Charlotte. Um, and I am a survivor of prenatal and postpartum anxiety and depression, and, and I'm turned an advocate um, for perinatal mood anxiety disorders, which are prenatal and postpartum. Um, and so I work with an organization called Postpartum Support International, and we have the um, Postpartum Support International Wyoming chapter um, is throughout Wyoming now. I'm based obviously out of the Tetons. Um, one of my roles within that organization is to provide support for expecting a new parents who might be feeling, not feeling the way that they are expecting to or wanting to during the prenatal and postpartum time and to um, give them resources within their area. So I've worked with people in Teton County, obviously, um, over in Teton County, Idaho, and then throughout Wyoming, um, you know, connecting with therapists, public health, um, connecting them with different OBs in their area, um, just trying to let them know that it's okay to feel how they feel, but they don't need to feel that way. And so to go and um, encourage them to get some help. Um, so if, if you're in the Teton area, you probably got one of these in your new baby folder. We have them in English and Spanish, and also in the OB offices, so always go grab those. And this June, we are, and actually May and June, we are um, doing a Climb Out of the Darkness campaign, which we've done, we did, I guess we started four years ago. So this is our third year. We skipped last year because of the pandemic. Um, but we are doing an, a virtual campaign, which is, this is why I climb. This is by um, Heather Devine um, from People Spread Love. She made this for us. And we're encouraging people to either print the sign or pick up a sign from me. 
and you can write why it is you support um, maternal and perinatal mental health. So for example, mine was said, this is why I climb because you are not alone. And we've had people say, this is why I climb because I'm struggling. So um, yeah, it's just letting people know that they're not alone and um, to normalize, just kind of to normalize the conversation about this common, these common disorders. So thank you. Any questions? Thank you, Charlotte. You guys are all going to get one of these. <laughs> and here's Heather. And here's right Heather. Right on cue. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of these conditions, um, perinatal and or prenatal and postpartum? Perinatal mental health encompasses okay. pregnancy through about three years. Okay. Uh, post mm -hmm. delivery. That makes sense. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are signs for family members that something might be going wrong? Because I feel often like as the mom, you don't necessarily know. Yeah. I was talking to Kirsten earlier about I, I my first pregnancy was twins. And about three weeks after they were born, there was a nurse at the at St. John's, very nice woman, who had offered to um, do a night nursing stint here or there. And so we hired her to come over one night and she came over and she oohed nod at the babies. And she's like, oh my gosh, you know, my grandchildren just moved away. I miss them so much. And, you know, within seconds, my mind said, well, she's going to kidnap my children. And so she, my husband was... You know, we were, it was nine o'clock. She said, Don't go to bed and, you know, I'll wake you up to nurse, whatever. And my husband gets in the bed and I was like, You have to sleep on the couch. You know, I was like, You just, you have to. I don't even think I said, I know this sounds crazy. I just think I said, I am completely tweaked out. I don't want to hear if, if it makes sense or not. I just feel like she's going to take off with the babies. And I am like one of the most rational people you'll ever meet. I don't get, I'm not hypochondriac. I wasn't really worried about COVID, you know, like I just, and I, and I, and I can kind of laugh about it, except that I almost kind of want to cry about it because I was in such a bad place. That was just so not like me. And um, my husband went and slept on the couch and it was fine. I feel so bad for the nurse. I'm like, oh my God, she probably knew that I did not trust her. But anyway, um, I am wondering, you know, what are the signs? Should my husband have been on the phone with the OB the next day? Like, you know, she's, God nods, but like, what are the signs for? Well, um, to, <laughs> to <laughs> I think um, I I try not to pathologize uh, mental health issues when it comes to the perinatal period because uh -huh. really it is so natural to feel as a first time mother anxious and afraid and guilty and you know those are the um those are the things that we typically would see in in new moms what we worry about is uh, moms who go beyond the baby blues and about five percent of new mothers experience a baby blues that is our normal reaction to an abrupt change in our lives um the realization that it's not like oh, you know, rainbows and puppies when you have a new baby, it's actually kind of hard. And sometimes you're like, can I give it back? <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, what we worry about though is ongoing um, sadness, guilt, feelings of harming, wanting to harm yourself, wanting to harm your baby. Um, and anxiety to the point where it's immobilizing. 
So I think I think it's pretty normal to be just as a new mom. And even what you experienced, that was a, sort of a one-time shot, right? Like mm-hmm. that was a new person in the home, touching my new babies. When know. I was sleep deprived. Yeah, when you're sleep it's deprived. It's amazing how much better so you feel when you get the sleep. Yeah, and sleep deprivation can lead to psychosis. So we know that that is um, really the first thing we look at when it comes to maternal mental health, if we can address sleep. And um, sleep doesn't mean a straight six hours of sleep every night, but it may mean you get some restful sleep during the day or two hours at night, but really trying to encourage new moms to, to take care of themselves enough to the point where they can rest. So I don't know if that really answers your question, yeah. but it's if we're looking at a mental health disorder, it has to fit in the clinical criteria of the DSM-5, which is what we use to diagnose mental health issues. Not a lot of perinatal difficulties really fall into that clinical category. There are some, um, such as, you know, psychosis definitely can, can be one of those. I'm going backwards from kind of worse to, to not as serious. Um, you know, suicidal thoughts, homicidal thoughts, that sort of thing. Um, OCD um, is a really common, mm-hmm. something that shows up. And, um, you know, if it lasts beyond like the six weeks period, mm-hmm. we start to look at it differently because during that six weeks time, I don't know why that's the magic number, honestly. I think it was sort of arbitrary, but um, that's when they say your hormones are really trying to balance out and, Deal with trying to establish routines takes about six weeks, I guess. For some of us, maybe not <laughs> that short of a period of time. Uh, so th- those are the things we look at, mm-hmm. and I really want to um, acknowledge and please, Kirsten, tell me the name of that word again. Um, Matrescence. I hadn't heard that. Matrescence uh, is like adolescence when you're a new mom. It's a period of drastic change in growth, hormonal shifts. Um, just, you know, it's, it's a stage that you go through after you give birth and after actually you adopt a baby too. You know, it's very, it's, it's a very, um, it, uh, it's a stage that I think is uh, it's similar to adolescence. And it, I just learned this word and I'm, I'm still trying to process it through my mind, but in that there's just a lot of fluctuation in emotion as well. Mm-hmm. From um, absolute love to rage. <laughs> and that's, you know, I have two teenagers. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, that's how I felt when you were born. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So I appreciate you introducing this word. I think mm-hmm. it's amazing. Um, in terms of treating mental health for, for new moms, social support is the number one go-to. Um, there are medications. There's lots of information out there, lots of new studies being done on medicating for depression, anxiety, and, and psychotic um, episodes, but really what is seen to be the most effective over time is the social connection. And that's where the pandemic really mm-hmm. messed us up. Yeah. And I just want to follow up on how you had said, I think you said for 85% of the women, it's the normal, but then yeah. there might be a more extreme case for 15%. 
But I think you would both agree, Charlotte and Elizabeth, that those 85% should also be reaching out for help and mm -hmm. can certainly benefit from mm -hmm. a meeting with you or connecting with yeah. PSI or- Yeah, and I just wanted to mention, um, talking to other support coordinators through PSI, it's kind of come to our attention that I think the word disorders is really like intimidating to people or they're like, ah, that's not me, I'm not going quite that far or I'm not, I'm not that, I can't identify with that. But I just encourage people that like, if you are not feeling the way that you're expecting or wanting to, then just reach out for help, um, you know, and you'll most likely feel better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, guilt goes along with mothering and parenting and um i'm sorry to say for those of you who have little kids it doesn't really go away <laughs> as they get older not that it's like a chronic guilt but it's it's just that's part of the deal when we're parents is to feel responsible for our kids and the social support is what really can combat the guilt having somebody say, oh, I'm feeling the same way, or you're doing a great job, you know, you're doing the best you can with what you have. That's really powerful to combat the, the guilt. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yes. Just follow up? So I think a lot of times there's a presumption that the person who is going and, and connecting is the one who's experiencing it. And at least in my case, I didn't know what it was and I didn't, I couldn't put any words to it. And then realized after the fact that really my, my partner and my family didn't know those signs either, didn't have the, the questions, like the knowledge to ask the questions to find out, well, what is going on underneath the surface? I was really good at putting up a front, but I too struggled with, I think someone's gonna steal my baby. And, you know, like a lot of anxiety that I had no idea because I had conceptualized a postpartum um, disorder, quote unquote disorder as being one like subset of, of um, symptoms or characteristics and, and that's not what I was experiencing mm -hmm. and how those who are not in that matrescence in that phase can ask questions, can notice certain things and begin a conversation because even if we're isolated in a pandemic, we still have family members like you said we can call who might benefit from knowing what to ask mm -hmm. yeah. um, to find out. It, yes, family members getting that information. Information is power. I would also say that it, it shouldn't be up to the new mom to ask for the help because it's so unlikely that that's going to happen. Um, you know, there's a lot of shame around that. So um, it's the importance of pediatricians being involved in that process of screening for any kind of um, you know ongoing mental health difficulties with moms. You know, I hate to interrupt, but what was interesting in my postpartum experience, my first go around, is that my pediatrician asked more during those first, you know, you go see the pediatrician when your baby's like three months old. Mm -hmm. And my pediatrician was better at asking about my mental health than my OB. Yes. It was so interesting. Yes. Because how's that? You know, every followed up with how's nursing going for you? Whereas the doctor was just like, well, your C-section scar looks good. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're okay to have sex again. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're like, what? as if I want to, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, it yeah. was interesting. Well, and the pediatrician is the one who does follow up with your kids at certain developmental stages. So if they're following up with you, learning at least in my own family is that you know it's it's awful to say but sometimes you do need to learn to educate the people in your family like and ask for help like I mean give them a checklist before you go to have the baby and say please look out for this stuff mm -hmm. and it's because a lot of family members do assume it's okay. And I, you know, I was talking to my mom recently about this issue we're having and she was like, you know, honey, I mean, I just hate to say this, but I just think that all of this parenting is so much harder for you guys these days. You know, there's just so much more y'all have to deal with. And she's like, I don't know why, but it just seems a lot harder these days. And um, it was really, it made me, it was very comforting to hear that because mm -hmm. a, I think it's true. Mm -hmm. We have less help than people had 50 years ago. We're separated from our families of origin. We, you know, just for all that, we have social media and all that stuff. And it was really comforting to hear her say that. And as I've been talking to my niece about her issues, I've told her, she's like, you know, my dad, who is my brother is just such a dinosaur. He never asked me how I'm feeling. And I'm like, if you know that you need to tell him like, check on me. And so there is a little work to be done. I feel like on the new mom or the expecting mom part to say, yeah, I'm a little worried about this. Please. Ideally that would be, you know, when, um, when a woman is first pregnant, mm -hmm. you know, these are the things to look for. And when I have clients, I know who are having, um, a baby or having a second child, it's like, okay, you know, let's, yeah. how do, how, how would you like to handle this? What will you notice in yourself that, um, that isn't right? Like that doesn't feel right. And who do you want to bring into your circle? That's the ideal circumstance. Mm -hmm. There are yeah. a lot of moms who don't have that kind of care. There's still some moms who don't get prenatal care. So we have, we have some ways to go here, um, but I think we're really getting better. I can share my story um, with my son. I had horrible anxiety. I developed eczema head to toe um, because breastfeeding was such a stressful thing for me. And um, because I was a social worker, because I was a clinical social worker, everybody, I think, made the assumption that, like, Elizabeth will get it, you know, she, she's going to be a great mom. She's going to be fantastic. And so here I was in this silent struggle um, with nobody asking me the questions except um, the, the on-call doctor I went to see because I was so, I was suffering so much. And um, that physician just basically said, well, why, you know, why are you trying so hard? Mm. And I was just like, I don't know, you know, and it was, he just was like, it's okay. Like you're, you're a great mom, no matter what you do. And I needed to hear that really, really needed to hear that. And that was a game changer for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's assumptions, I think that because, you know, we live in a, in a community with very well-educated professional women they really are going to know what 
what it looks like when they're not okay. Um, so along kind of the same lines about the relationships, um, how, what were the stresses on new parent marriages? Like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like one of the go-to answers for marital problems is we'll plan a date night. And it, there was no date night to be had during the pandemic. It was, you know, sitting uh, on the couch together again. Yeah. And I, it's been rough, I think, um, on a lot of people. Um, um, this During the pandemic, there has been an increase in relationship issues, um, more extreme issues mm -hmm. than we thought before. And it's... Um, it's hard to say to somebody when you're this isolated, um, this is how you can bond more. <laughs> Sometimes you need this, you need the space. Sometimes you need the air between you in order to get yourself back. And I think during the pandemic, everyone all smushed together um, was, it, it, it really was um, a challenge. And so I think with the opening up of, of the world a little bit more. I, I would expect to see some some breathing room taking place, but um, yeah, some some relationships didn't survive. And yeah. that's, that's, un, that's sad, but maybe in, in the long run, um, it can be healthier for both parents and the children. Yeah, yeah. That is sad. I've been, I've been thinking about like that new parent phase the marriages, it's just, it would be hard to yeah, be cooped up inside. Everybody's working at home, everybody's, you don't know what the pressure is. Is it the new baby? Is it the pandemic? Is it the being together? Is it the, yeah. Well, uh, you know, not only is becoming a new parent a sudden shift in your life, the pandemic was a sudden shift in our lives. And so here, you know, you already have one thing that's out of your control and then having, um, you know, coronavirus show up and then, you know, not being able to do things. So it was, it, it, it was traumatic, I think mm -hmm. for many, many people. Mm -hmm. So um, along the mindfulness angle, I, I remember, um, we, we talk a lot about mindfulness, obviously in here, mindfulness for moments, <laughs> and you've mentioned mindfulness as well as uh, a way to kind of um, deal with this postpartum period and particularly in the pandemic. And I remember when I delivered my twins, one of the nurses looked at me and said, during the hard times, if it's two in the morning and you're trying to nurse, whatever, just remember this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, gosh, that's kind of a depressing way to think about my children's infancy. Like just, oh, this will be over soon, you know, but, and I wonder how you jive that, but I, I get that. And I think it's so true about most difficult times, but how do you kind of um, make that jive with mindfulness or is it the same thing or is it different? I don't know. I'm kind of like, should I be in this moment or should I just be thankful that it'll be over soon? Well, I don't know that they're mutually exclusive. Yeah. You know, I think that you can have um, radical acceptance that this will pass. This is, this is difficult right now. And if I just ride this moment through, this tantrum through, this, you know, exploded diaper, whatever it is, you know, just, if, I, if I can ride this through, then the next moment will be okay. There will be good moments to come. So I think mm -hmm. you can do, I think that doesn't, that doesn't mean you have to 
choose. Wish away your child's infancy. Yeah. And yeah. I, I just, I see it more as just radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, self-compassion is really important. Um, and just the, the message to yourself, you're doing the best you can with what you have. And you try your hardest every day and your hardest might look different every day, depending on the energy you have and what the resources are in front of you. But just, you know, that's a message that I think needs to be reinforced all over the place. We we are doing the best we can with what we have. Mm -hmm. Does anybody here have questions? I I can certainly keep talking. Heather? Do you want to move closer? Um, No, I guess. One question I had, or just wanted to bring it some, give it some oxygen was, you know, when you're pregnant, you get so much attention from everyone, from the OB, you get attention from your friends and family. And then all of a sudden it's cut off as soon as you give birth to the baby. And then it's like, what about me? And I think that Meredith, Meredith asked that same kind of question about the OB and your OB actually doesn't ask you any questions. In fact, mine, I didn't see. And, and for another several months, and then they were encouraging you to have sex. And, it, and I'm sorry, but that was really hard. I think, and I heard it from other women as well. It's like, or what happened to me? Like the person that was for the baby is not missing or like not considered, or people are not asking the right questions. And, um, and <clears throat> Now that I've done this at least once, um, I have other mothers and just be like, I got you, whatever that is. When I walk around the block, you know, hold your kid, like I'll wear a mask, whatever you want. Um, but it's like still really hard, I think, because a lot of people, I think at least for me in my household with my husband, when he started telling me, I think there might be something going on with you. I was like, no way. And like took it to the ego level. Like you're challenging my competency of being a mother. And so I automatically was like, no way, shut down. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. And he probably had something there. I was just not willing to see it. So maybe even having the ability to talk about it rather than being like a condition you might have. It's like, this is a genuine thing that happens and being able to just give these kinds of things more oxygen um, I think is important without the shame. Because I think that in a lot of ways, and I will just say this, like I love my husband and we're still together, thank God. Um, But there was definitely times like pandemic or not, like when I had an infant, it was so hard to like get, get over all of these hurdles of not sleeping feeling irritable my body's weird like just trying to figure out and try to get the whole lay of the land and I think um it's just unfortunate because I think with my relationship with my husband specifically it was about like who's doing more like who's doing it right you know who's listening to their instinct I have got a motherly instinct so I know what I'm talking so it's just you know Anyway, that's my little rant. Well, yeah, you're bringing up some really important points. One is like, where does the mom go when the baby is born? Like, poof, you know, all of a sudden, all the care and the comments on, you know, what can you do to be helpful or more focused on the baby? You know, how can I help you care for your baby instead of how can I help you care for you? And I think that's a paradigm shift we need to start looking at. Um, The relationship imbalances are there, they're real. Um, I have yet to meet a family where it is completely balanced. Um, you know, really it is 
the roles are very, very different. And I think what needs to be balanced is the level of appreciation, the level of acknowledgement, the, you know, the, how can I care for you? Um, part of this and not so much about, um, you know, equalizing dishes and laundry. Mm -hmm. We talked about that at our last meeting and I'm gonna to get to Kristen's question in a second, but about how it's so hard to figure out that balance because it's it's never it's not like apples to apples, mm -hmm. you know. Like anyway, um, so Kirsten had a question. Well, we have a question from Alyssa who's joining us online, and she asked, "Any tips for supporting a new mom from afar? The pandemic means I'm not visiting. I check in, I send support as I can, and share resources when asked for." but it's a hard balance between wanting to help and wanting to give space for them to figure things out. What a great question. Thank you, Alyssa. I don't know who I, where I'm talking, but um, thanks. What a great question. I, um, I think that it's everything you've listed there is awesome. And one of the most powerful things is just listening. Um, just be an ear just say, what's this like for you? Ask my clients a lot is how, you know, how does it feel to be you today? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it might feel differently than it did last week. And um, that's a great question to ask somebody instead of how are you? Um, how does it feel to be you? It's a, it's a more in-depth question. And that just listen, listen. That's really what we need to do with each other. Yeah, I remember one of my friends came to visit me after the twins were born about six weeks later. and She had OCD even before she had a baby. And she um, spent the whole time like rearranging my pantry and labeling everything. And I was like, this is the last thing I need. You're making me have a panic attack. And all I want you to do is sit on the couch and like just sit with me. But of course, I didn't tell her that because two years prior, that probably wouldn't have bugged me. I just sort of been like, whatever, go organize my pantry. But it, I didn't know how to express to her, like, that's not what I need from you. <laughs> um, I was just gonna comment really about the, the ability to ask for help, because I think what would uh, happen for me was that I have a checkup and I would um, be there, I'd have gotten a babysitter or you know, someone to watch my child. And then they'd ask me how I'm doing. And I'm like, well, in this moment, I'm great because I, like, I can really think about me and I forget all of the ways that I feel when I get home and feel overwhelmed and anxious and um, not able to advocate and communicate what was going on inside. Um, and so I read Untamed a little while back and she made this comment, uh, Glennon Doyle made this comment about, you know, even like when things are bad, make notes to yourself and things are good, make notes to yourself. Because if you get to a point where, you know, you need to ask for help, if you forget in that moment what it really feels like, you can reference those notes, mm -hmm. it's still there. And so maybe even part of that mindfulness is whether it's journaling or just making little bullets to, to yourself about, this is what it feels like to be me right now. And I found that for myself also, it's, it's an opportunity to introduce self-compassion mm -hmm. because I can be that, or like in, upon reading it, the, the observer of this suffering and pain 
and stop and say, wow, like maybe what I need is not to try to push through this and just be the strong mom. Maybe I need to slow down, yeah. ask for help, call a friend. And it's hard when we're caught up in the doing of everything. Mm -hmm. The difference between doing and feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think as, um, as a mom myself, I can get caught up in the doing in that and mistake that is like caring for, or not, bless you, <laughs> um, mistake that is as being accomplished with self-care, if that makes sense, like doing something rather than just sitting with my emotions and feeling them. That's self-compassion, that's self-care. And I don't know if that I'm making sense around that, but I, you know, there's so many subtle, subtle shifts we can make in the lens with which we look through motherhood that could be really beneficial to us all. I have a question for you and Charlotte, and this is along the lines of what I was talking about. Are there any, um, in the prenatal pre or the pregnancy classes the hospital offers, is there a mention, is there a section on postpartum? There is, there is now. There's a oh, good. I believe there's a slide now. A slide. A slide. <laughs> I explain that in the, okay. um, That's in the it. baby boot camp, there is a slide. They, I mean, they, it'd be great if they had you come present so that, yeah, you know, because then you'd have the husband and wife there and you could kind of plant the seed at least. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so I did that probably my, my first year of advocacy. I was going to those, um, mm -hmm. going to Tea Time Mamas, which Tea Time Mamas is also a wonderful support group mm -hmm. um, put on by the uh, lactation professional or lactation support mm -hmm. and consultants, yes, at um, St. John's. And, mm -hmm. um, and so they're also like knowledgeable about resources. And they're a lot of times the first people who will hear if people are struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, the lactation consultants? Um, yes. Yeah, because, yes. because it's a wonderful free resource and people can go into the hospital and, and they do ask, you know, how are you doing? You well, know, and I feel like nursing is such a concrete um, stress for people. It's like that they can see like, this is not working. This is not latching. And so they can be like, this is a problem. Whereas like everything that's spinning around in your head, it's harder to kind of identify that as a problem. Yeah. And then just um, before I have to scoot up, um, there also is a support, um, Lynette Gardner over at the hospital also does a support group for, it's called Motherhood, This Isn't What I Expected. It's, pre, it's prenatal and postpartum mental health support group. Um, and I'm not sure how often that is, but you can go to the St. John's website and go to their calendar and it's on there. And that might be shifting as Lynette is in private practice now, but um, amazing resource and, and has been trained in postpartum support internationals, pretty hefty curriculum. The training is very thorough. <laughs> I'll take one of those. Yeah. So uh, um, folks online, you won't be able to get these, but you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at why I climb for our climb out of the darkness. And you can send, message me a photo of this and I'll put it up on Instagram um, and Facebook to, to normalize the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Actual height. This year, our height 
to be determined. I follow the um, Teton County Public Health Guidelines, so we're kind of, I'm in talks with them to decide what we can do um, in terms of a hike. And then we also do a um, clothing and gear swap usually. So also to figure out when we can do another one of those. Yeah. Those are great. Yeah, it's yeah, we love doing them. It's the community, you know, it's kind of gathering your people together and, and not really, um, there is no medicine that I think is greater than that social support and that self-compassion. Uh, well, along those lines, Kristen and I also talked about your friends and how the postpartum period can, um, you know, depending on if you're the first person in your friend group to have the baby, or if you're the last person, or if you're just kind of out of whack with your peers and how that can be a struggle and how you sort of have to learn you know we all I think everybody has that one friend whose life is just blissful every moment you don't know how but it is and and, <laughs> and that's all they can talk about and you know just kind of you have to learn like which friend to pick up the phone and call and that can be it's just so much learning Every, yes. you know, it's, you have to look at all your relation, which family member is the one I'm going to call, which one is, um, and yeah. Maybe, I mean, and maybe that's a, an opportunity to talk about boundaries and agreements. I don't know, you know, in terms of who you want to share with, like being intentional about who you want to share with so that you do feel safe to share the really vulnerable stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's so personal, you know, it's, it really depends on your, your friend system and your family system. And there are, you know, I'm, I'm sort of uh, um, jaded on one side because people don't come to me when they're happy <laughs> and when their relationships are really great. So, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, who, who can you get something from and who is an empty well for you right now? And, and what does that look like? But for, you know, it, it, it's a great thing to just bring to mind, like, you know, who are, who are the people? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in an ideal world, when you're pregnant, you set up those people ahead of time. And, you know, you can say, well, I'm feeling okay now, or I'm feeling kind of anxious right now, or I'm feeling a little depressed right now. Um, can you be there for me? I'm also thinking how we all set up that, or maybe you didn't, but I know I certainly did with my first child. This is my birth plan, and this is what we're sticking to. <laughs> and, you know, it obviously went on the window when there's, you know, a person on call and you get the episiotomy that you did not have in your birth or whatever. Yes. But um, why are we not setting up a postpartum plan? I know. Like there's an idea. Yeah, yeah, that's the good idea. I know. It's been difficult getting into the medical system, um, particularly with uh, the the baby boot camps, because there's there's a feeling that they don't want to overwhelm new parents about something that might happen. Well, but um, I think it does happen to a certain degree it to does. the vast majority of people. Yes, I mean it's like yeah. There's a lot of head shaking in case you can't tell. I know. Yeah. I mean, like whether or not you're psychotic. I mean, like you don't want to wait until you're psychotic to reach out for help, right? right? I mean, like you would like to, even if you're just not feeling well, talk, reach out. Yeah. And I, you know, hopefully the culture is shifting. I think having more, um, having more social workers actually at the hospital, people resources one-on-one. Mm -hmm. -on -one. 
and just say, hey, this is what you can look for. So it, things have shifted since I gave birth for sure. There was no mention of mental health anywhere near having a baby, um, you know, 18 years ago. So mm -hmm. you could register for therapy. <laughs> Right, Our baby I know. Registry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> what a good idea. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that really, that's really well, a happy thing to open in a shower. <laughs> <laughs> well, community-wide, I don't know if this is appropriate to respond to the pandemic. And the shift that I'm really trying to push is um, the wellness and checking in with a therapist, you know, maybe once every few months to do, to do an oil change, a mm -hmm. checkup and have that be something that our community can, uh, can support and get behind. And that's something that I think with new moms and dads, you know, having that person who can ask the right questions, mm -hmm. who can do a, a really thorough assessment because sometimes the friends don't know. And sometimes it's scary to ask somebody some really open questions because they might not want to know mm -hmm. the answer. <laughs> well, so. I'm, I'm very similar to Kirsten in that if I've managed to get out the house, out of the house and too much by myself with a friend and carve out that special time for me, I'm pretty happy. Mm -hmm. So if you ask me how I am in that moment, the answer is going to be like, oh, great. Mm -hmm. I'm out on a hike with a friend, but you know, it's, so it's like to have someone trained asking you, well, describe a downtime or describe what's hard for you. You know, that would be more, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. yeah. telling often. You had mentioned how the pandemic sent us all into this major shift, mm -hmm. similar to the shift that we encounter when we have a baby, a new person to the family. Um, have you, what similarities have you experienced in your clientele's response to the pandemic to matrescence? Because I think, I mean, for me, it was very triggering. I was like, this initially, this feels like postpartum. Mm -hmm. And I had to go go back and remember, well, what did I do then that worked in? Yeah. Um, so your question is maybe how is the pandemic impacting mm -hmm. the matrescence, that, that shift? And well, even for people who are not new parents. Mm -hmm that maybe you've had kids or maybe you don't have kids, but it's very, you know, all these similarities. Cause I think that there's this, um, when you're feeling so alone to know that people who aren't even having, you know, the new baby stuff mm -hmm. may still be having an emotional response to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. That is really similar. There's an empathy point there. Mm -hmm. There's a compassion point there that we, we can all share. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it hasn't been a pandemic, first of all. You know, that's, this has been a global um, chronic stressor for a lot of people. So the baseline, if you're a, an already anxious person, you know, everyone has gone up a notch in their anxiety, or if you're already a depressed person, you know, maybe it's gone up in, in depression. So 
I think what we look at is um, to what degree has the has the pandemic impacted, you know, being a parent, being a new parent or being an existing parent, um, what would be expected with the, the <laughs> nothing is normal about the pandemic, but the, the expected response and what might be a step beyond that? What might danger zone? And my, my feeling is it doesn't matter if you, if you have someone to talk to, um, if you can get support somehow, that is all stuff that can be worked on. That's all that it, there's, there's, there are resources for those things. So I know it's not really answering your question, but I think that's what I sort of see happening is, you know, what is the normal response? What is your new baseline and how are you coping and how is it affecting your life? And um, what is what's just pushing it too far? I'm also seeing a lot more um, what I call acuity right now than I did when the pandemic started. So I think people did um, a fairly decent job of adjusting quickly to that shutdown. But it, you know, there's a whole category of new parents now who are thinking about oh my gosh, you know, I haven't left my house. Um, mm -hmm. People aren't wearing masks anymore. Like, is my kid safe? You know, that's a whole, that's a whole nother um, issue, set of issues that I'm seeing more in my practice. And I think it sounds like you were also saying that the, one of the weird things about the pandemic is that it did, um, it's almost like 9-11, like we all experienced it. Mm -hmm. And so it all kind of had the potential to bring us all together because we could all be empathetic with one another in terms of, yeah, we're all feeling this isolation and all feeling this anxiety. But the weird thing is we couldn't share it because we were so distanced. I mean, we could with friends we were already good friends with, but you know, it's not like everyone could go out and have a vigil together. That wasn't gonna happen. Um, but what, what you were just saying about, oh, them coming out of the isolation. Yeah. And I, so in this article that I had read in the Atlantic, the woman talks about how it's so odd now that things are opening up. She had her babies during the, th during the pandemic at the beginning. And now a year later, she's like, okay, I've been this new person. I've had a total shift in who I am for a year. But now after a year, I have to go kind of introduce myself to the world. And like, people don't even know what I've been through. And it's just such a point of disconnect, kind of like when you go through extreme grief or you lose someone. I've had that experience. And you know, you're at a dinner party three months later and you're like, I am in a totally different state of reality than everyone else at this table. Yeah. And it's so hard to connect to people. Mm -hmm. I would say that will take some time you yeah. know, to kind of ease back in. If, if anyone is suffering and struggling, um, you know, or if, you, if one of your friends is dropped off the radar, Mm -hmm. reach out, call them, yeah. just check in. You know, that's what we can do to be helpful to, to others in our lives, making sure, you know, like, hey, is this hard for you? I mean, I, I'm experiencing sort of a common sense of like, this is really kind of weird to be in public. I'm talking in person. I'm not wearing a mask. I mean, there's still a little bit of like awkwardness about it. And I think it's just going to take some time to readjust. Yeah. 
I have been vaccinated, by the way. <laughs> you, oh, yes, yeah, I have been vaccinated. <laughs> um, so we are at the one o'clock mark, so we're going to turn off the recording. But if anybody wants to linger and ask questions, you're welcome to. And Heather, I don't know if you were here when we mentioned this, but so because there could be potentially sensitive 